Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Mike Jay, Director of Special Projects here, and SCRS Talks allows um, some of our friends to get a few minutes in video and audio to address some uh, issues of industry concern. And in today's installment, we're going to have Craig Lipset answer a few questions about um, clinical trial innovation uh, in 2020 and looking ahead to 2021. Um, as soon as I'm done here, Craig will tell us a little bit about himself before we get into the questions, but Craig is the managing partner at Clinical Innovation Partners and the assistant professor of health, health informatics at Rutgers University. So um, thanks for taking the time today, Craig, to answer a few questions about clinical trial innovation. Before I ask you the first one, if you wouldn't mind, you could just let everybody know a little bit about uh, you and what you've been doing, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Mike. It is great to be here with you in the SCRS audience. Um, as you mentioned, I have an advisory practice. I work with pharma companies, tech companies, and investors all around bringing innovative new approaches into drug development. I also am on the faculty at Rutgers, where I teach a graduate course on clinical trial innovation, as well as on the faculty at the University of Rochester in the Center for Health and Technology. It is great to be here with you. And thanks. We're glad to have you. So you mentioned innovation, and how do you define it, first of all? You know, when I was at Pfizer and I was the uh, head of clinical innovation, this question would come up quite a bit. I relied on a very simple definition. Innovation is an idea from which you can derive value. And that's a very simple formula. The idea alone does not make you an innovator and that does not make for innovation. You have to be able to take that idea, implement it and get something of value out of it. That's innovation. Okay. Now, um, now I know we didn't discuss this in the title, but uh, we're, it, you can't really have a interview or anything this year without talking about COVID-19. So how has innovation continued throughout this pandemic? Well, Mike, if, if we think that innovation is an idea from which you get value, this has been the year when we've seen ideas being implemented and getting adopted and making that impact and showing their value. These are ideas that weren't new. These are ideas that in many cases had been around but simply struggled for adoption whether those ideas were around using innovative approaches for monitoring or some of the approaches we've seen to enable location shifting and home-based decentralized participation. In most cases, this year has been a theme around adoption, but when we talk about that definition of innovation, because they're getting adopted, now we're able to see the actual impact, the value out of those uh, exciting ideas coming to life. Yeah, I have to agree. There was a I hadn't considered it from that perspective, but all these ideas were out there and we had no choice but to implement them. Um very interesting take. Thank you. What do you think we'll see in the next year with regards to innovation? Well, I'm going to stick with that first question in that definition that we started with as I think about the answer to that because again, if we think about ideas needing um the value generation to become innovative. I think in the next year, what we're going to see is the commitment and the scale of a lot of the things that we've seen get incrementally adopted over the last 
six, eight months. Keep in mind, when people were implementing these new approaches, they weren't doing it to be innovative. They were doing it out of risk mitigation. They were doing it just in the interest of trial continuity. But now what we're seeing is organizations that are committing to those new approaches, leaders in clinical operations saying, I'm not going back to my old ways of monitoring. Other leaders stepping forward saying, we've now seen that we can implement more at-home, remote, decentralized capabilities for our studies, capabilities that can sustain and continue to potentially impact recruitment, retention, diversity in our trials. And so as I think about the coming year, to me, this is a year of commitment, of seeing organizations changing their SOPs, re-looking at their training, re-looking at their vendor lists and who they have available to partner and rethinking their visit schedule and the measurements that they're capturing in their protocols. And how can our industry continue to facilitate and be ready uh, for this this new way of conducting trials or a new way well i i think um i think there'll be a lot of new ways i think that you know the the idea that there is one phenotype of a decentralized trial is misleading i think in that model there can be a lot of different ways to implement the different decentralized research methods and tools that are available i think what our industry can do are really uh two things one I think many in our industry have already become very change agile and flexible in terms of um, being receptive to new. They've had to be this year, but I think that uh, that agility is only going to become even more important. I think a second, which we got really good at as, a, as an industry um, up until the pandemic, and then we had to sort of slack on this earlier this year, uh, but this other one is making sure we always start by listening to the patient. Um, I realized that back in March, April, May, June, measures were focused just on keeping the lights on on our trials and there was not a window of opportunity to stop and have a disciplined approach of making sure this is what patients actually wanted. But now as we look forward and what can we do to be ready, continue to make sure that that insight from patients is right there being captured at day zero when we're looking to implement some of the new Uh, now, one more thing before we close up, you're going to be um, giving our keynote presentation for our upcoming virtual summit um, in October, which uh, the summit will run most of the month, but you specifically will be giving your presentation on October 8th. Uh, anything? Can, can you let us um, give us some a sneak preview of what's going to happen during that session? I probably shouldn't because, you know, uh, I, I don't want to give anything away or reveal too much. I want to keep some level of surprise, but I do think that people can expect initially an amplification of some of these messages that we were just talking about, of the stories of continuity that were done during the year 2020 and what commitment really looks like for organizations going forward. But I'm also going to challenge some beliefs, perceptions, and assumptions. And I'll give a teaser of one of them. Um, I'm going to challenge people to rethink what hybrid means when we're talking about decentralized trials and to reimagine what a future of hybrid could be that puts the patient truly at the center of the development program. I'm looking forward to it. And so are we. And uh, challenging the, the perception or definition of hybrid what can you tell tell me what you think people 
will probably say that is and uh, how um, how challenged they will be by the end of your presentation on their perception of hybridity. How's that for a word? Um, well, I think the, the preclinical crowd would say the hybridization, but usually we think, uh, think yeah. about that with our animals. Okay. But um, <laughs> the, I think that many have been trained to believe that we have brick and mortar studies that run at, at, at conventional sites, and we have this middle state of hybrid trials, and that the desired end state in all of this is to have some sort of fully virtual, fully remote model for our studies. I'll say that I've never met a patient who has told me that their desire for the future is to not have the option of being able to go to visit an investigator in a site. Sure. And so to me, that's the technologist's view of the world. Yes, the technology theoretically could lead us to that as a desired end state, but is that really the end state that our patients want? And so what I want to challenge people around is to rethink what hybrid means and how in today's world, it's a very protocol-centric view of hybrid. We're defining and writing into the protocol the visit one is at the site, visit three is uh, at the site, visit five is at the site, visit two and four can be at home. But in terms of expectations of patients and all of us as people, that's not really what hybrid means. That's not what it means to me as a consumer. It's not what it means to me as a parent of a child going to school. Hybrid has to start to bring choice and optionality to individuals. And that's going to at first feel impossible. It's going to at first feel overwhelming from an operational perspective. But I believe there is a path forward for us that can start to make that future feel a lot closer. Well, I, I, I'm really looking forward to that because as you may, are probably aware, the society has been really um, uh, pushing this idea of the virtual and the hybrid trial and the whole industry um, um, has, been, has been buzzing around with that too. So we're really looking forward to that and to the entire summit. Uh, well, Craig, thanks a lot for your time. I know you're busy. Um, to anyone listening, make sure you register for upcoming webinars and discussions by visiting our learning campus. You can also check out the SCRS Insight Journal, published quarterly for members in the member section of our website, myscrs.org. Uh, speaking of websites, Craig, anywhere would you would like to have anybody go to learn more about you and, and what you're doing these days? Mike, I'm a social creature. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Twitter. I look forward to following you there as well. And I look forward to seeing and interacting with the SCRS audience in just a couple of weeks at the annual meeting at the Site Solutions Summit. Thanks for having me here today. You're welcome. So are we. All right. We appreciate everyone's participation in today's program. Look forward to having you join us for more great content this year and in 2021. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Craig. Thank you.